Chapter Eleven. Julian stared dumbfounded at the extravagance surrounding him in the palace. Having hailed from humble beginnings in a smaller sky city called Patero, he'd never laid eyes on the richness of the royals. The events in Patero had been small at best, and the royals always kept to themselves in the more miniature castle assigned to that city. The capital was home to the sky's largest and most luxurious palace. The technology enabling it made the other cities seem ancient. Julian's loss for words was therefore expected, but for Zora, a bit inconvenient. How many days were you captured for exactly? She pressed again, repeating the question a little louder. Uh, Julian? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I just never imagined. His voice trailed off as the healer bent over him and then moved aside for a servant to present a meal fit for a small family. Is all of this for me? The servant nodded, smiled, and placed the fresh foods on the table next to him with impeccable style. The rarest fruits in the sky formed a pyramid on its golden tray, and a gold jug with the special healing juices of the royals stood tall next to it. The healer then took out a medical injectable and braced Julian for the small poke. Health flushed through his body almost instantly. He gasped at the strength he felt returning to him despite the weeks of torture his body had endured. Have you also given this to the young girl who was captured? Yes, she's all right now, and so are you. The healer responded, packing up her tools. This, everyone should have access to this. It's, I can't believe. Yes, Zora interrupted. It's amazing, and you will get used to it. But I really need you to concentrate, Julian. We went from being in the middle of a cold war to a hot one from saving you both. So, any assistance you can give us? Julian stiffened slightly. He looked at Zora as though he saw her for the first time. Her beautiful black curls framed her intense eyes and perfect lips. Her lean body dripped in royalty, even though she was cloaked as though ready for a fight. It was an intriguing contradiction, as he'd expected the princesses to be far less inclined to matters of war. Look, I get that you've been used to this all your life. Julian started nodding his head towards the palace in general. So I do apologize that it has taken a bloke like me a minute to process how anyone could have grown up this way, lived this way. What? Zora barked. You think I come from this? Huffing at the confusion crossing Julian's face, Zora became enraged when a hearty laugh resounded from behind her. Vlad was holding his stomach, haunched over in the loudest cackle Zora had ever heard from him. Then, between scanty breaths, he sputtered, Yes, my sister is indeed a spoiled little princess, before descending into laughter once again. Zora glared at them both then stormed off, shouting to Vlad as she left the room, You get the information we need. Julian shook his head in bewilderment as Vlad took a few more seconds trying to contain himself. When he'd finally caught his breath, he told Julian, You just insulted a very proud woman by implying she's royalty. Zora's Jada's sister, whom you met when we first snuck you here. They grew up as commoners, and Zora has also lived in the Earth colonies for many years. She's been undercover at the palace a little while now. But she's never been a fan of the royals. She can barely stand me, and you've just accused her of being one of us. Oh, Julian responded, shifting with embarrassment. I must apologize. And you will, Vlad interrupted. But right now, we need to know your story. Yes, of course, your supremacy, Julian replied. Then he began to share his tale. Julian had never understood how he could hear Jael, but his mother Mika cautioned him to never tell a soul since he was a little boy. His father had died in a tragic accident while Julian was a toddler. His mother was all he had in the world. 
As Julian grew into a young man, he worked with his mother in the city selling basic garments for the common folk. When sales were slow and customers hardly came by, Julian would distract her by sharing more and more of his conversations with Jael. Mika loved to hear his recollections of the whispers of the goddess. But around Julian's 23rd birthday, the tone of those whispers began to change. Jael spoke of the War of Wars and that Julian had a role to play in saving the people of the New Earth. Mika initially felt it a little scary but also quite exciting. Yet, a seed of dread had been planted within her. As the whispers of the coming darkness grew more consistent and severe over the next five years, Mika's worries heightened. She began to caution Julian against the words of Jael. She believed they were dangerous to his safety. Julian was all she had after his father passed away, and she could not stand the thought of losing him. His insistence that he needed to follow the instructions of the messages conjured a new theory in Mika. What if Julian, hearing Jael's voice, was all in his imagination? Mika had developed an unlikely but close friendship with a priestess in the order of their city. This priestess had discreetly shared somewhat heretical beliefs with Mika. Priestess Tay had harbored doubts about how things were in the order. She often wondered if they were meant to be that way. For many years, Mika was Tay's secret vault, as there was no one within the order to whom she could freely speak. As Mika's fears for Julian's life grew into panic, she wondered if her connection to Tay, built on a foundation of secrets, could be more of a mutual exchange. The day Julian went to Mika to inform her that Jael wanted him to journey to the capital for the Eleven was the day Mika jumped into action. Finally desperate to never lose her son to what he believed was his destiny, Mika arranged a clandestine meeting with Tay to tell her the truth of Julian's claims. Her intention was to have Tay tell Julian the words that Jael did speak. That way, she could show him that what he thought he could hear was but a fantasy. Tay promised to be open. However, the instant she heard the actual claim, something shifted in her demeanor. Tay had never admitted to Mika that she couldn't hear Jael's voice. She loved how Mika's eyes widened in adoration when she expressed how it felt to be chosen by the goddess. Triggered by the possibility that Jael had chosen to speak to a commoner over her, Tay couldn't control her ego. Promising to help Mika, Tay instead sent a message to High Priestess Elian about the presence of a self-proclaimed city in Patero. Tay then offered to take Julian under her wings and carry him to the Goldberg Sphere herself so she could prove to him that it wasn't Jael speaking. The fact that Tay hadn't immediately brought in the forces to arrest him alleviated Mika's fears. She smiled as they left together. She hoped her son would return to her, devoid of such life-threatening hypotheses. Instead, the instant Tay and Julian arrived through the Order's secret portal, he was captured by Elian's men, and Tay was promoted to the inner circle. Initially, I thought I was being tested somehow by then, Julian explained to Vlad. You know, to see if what I claimed to hear from Jael was what they could also hear, so they could have adequate proof that I could hear her. But it all seemed a little strange. I didn't know what it was back then, but now I know it was desperation. They needed me to tell them what Jael had been saying. I blurted out that a she was returning, but I heard Jael saying stop, so I did. Tortia was what followed. They wanted to know who the she was, and when she'd be returning. They managed to get out of me that it would happen by sunset. The pain was unexpected. Then, Jael began speaking to me when I needed it the most. Her words gave me the strength to resist all the Tortia thereafter. I swear to you, your supremacy, that's all they got out of me. I am happy to hear that, Julian, Vlad nodded approvingly at him, then continued. Were you exposed to any new technology they may have had? The underground portal was certainly a surprise, Julian started. Then, 
With widened eyes, he added, And Zena. They had a small sphere containing a spirit named Zena. They were using a ring of some kind to control her, trying to get her to share Jael's words. The most they'd gotten her to do was shudder when Jael spoke. Vlad was speechless. When he found his voice, he barked at the guards to get their entire group into the room. Soon he was joined by Jada, Legis, Zora, and Milo. In an eerily quiet voice, Vlad asked Julian to repeat what he'd seen. Julian took a quick moment to apologize to Zora, and she simply nodded, understanding that Vlad must have explained. Then he shared the story again. When Julian finished, Vlad explained the extreme rarity of finding a new sphere. We've searched using royal technology for the better part of a century. It has been a mystery that every generation of royals longed to solve, if even for merely the prestige. I had a passion for this area of my studies because the unanswered questions bothered me when I least expected them. Why did all the spirits stop speaking? Where did the spheres go after they disappeared? We can assume they cloaked themselves with the same alchemic materials we extracted from the earth to power the shifting pieces. But those cloaked can perceive everything else that's cloaked. That's why we kept this technology to ourselves despite the Order's initial demands that we share it. We didn't want the Order to witness our secret movements. Truth be told, we'd stopped paying attention to the Order for a long time because of how technologically advanced we were. That's why they were able to get away with so much under our watch. We weren't even watching. I have a somewhat controversial question. Zora stared at everyone as she spoke. What if Jael's servant, who we were meant to free, was actually Zena? No offense to you, Julian, and of course we would have come for you, Milo, both of you, truly. But if a spirit is being tortured, does that mean we need to go back? There's no way we can sneak back in there, Vlad sighed. They will know by now that we broke them out. They may not know who did, but they'd be certain it was a feat only the royals could accomplish. It means they'd know we are onto them, maybe even onto everything. The element of surprise is lost. And either way, we must get Milo and Julian to the Earth Culls for their safety and return with reinforcements. Remember, we aren't just going up against the Order. We are trying to free everyone from what they believe is the truth. At the Order's command, the citizens of the sky will rise against us. We will need the numbers to protect them from themselves and to strip the Order of its power. Suddenly, an elite guard came running into the room, shouting, Your Supremacy! There's a young priestess by the gate! And she said to tell whomever among you may understand that she has Zena! Zigil had recently experienced what could only be described as a disastrous victory. When Toma had come to check on her after the hour that Elian gave her, he found her tied up on the floor. He'd yelped out to the men who did a hurried search of the tunnels. They were unsuccessful in finding the escaped prisoners. After freeing Zigil, Toma carried her to the High Priestess and informed her of the loss. Elian had screamed at the top of her lungs in rage. Then, she slapped Zigil across her face and reached for a nearby whip. When Toma stood in front of Elian to prevent her from beating Zigil, the High Priestess then realized what she was doing. She lowered the whip, but still jeered at Zigil. I always knew you were a failure. Toma had tried to pacify the situation, asking Zigil if she was able to get anything out of Milo when Jael had spoken. The ring shuddered, he'd explained, and I told High Priestess to give you the full hour because perhaps you were making progress. This is my fault. I am sorry I didn't come right away. Sigil only nodded, traumatized by her grandmother's reaction and heartbroken by her proclamation. Elian had never believed in her. This was the irrevocable proof she'd needed all along. A part of her regretted not leaving right away with Milo, but Sigil was emboldened by the mission Jael had given her. I will free Zena, and I will leave this place forever. Please wait for me, Milo. I'm coming. 
After fetching her something to drink, Toma gently asked Sigil what had happened while Elian fumed in the corner. Sigil told the truth, to a point. Suddenly I was being held in the air and tied up. I didn't even see who was doing it. They used those shifting bracelets, Toma groaned. Then turning to Elian, he reiterated, They know. Elian glared. They know something, yes, but what? And how much? I'm willing to bet they're still ten steps behind. They have no idea what's happening to the Earth cause as we speak. Let them have what they think is their precious win. And while they're busy gloating and celebrating, we will ascend. But what about making sure we know what Jael is revealing? Her sight and warnings could impede us, Toma pressed. Zigil saw the opportunity opening in front of her. Grandmother... I am so sorry to have disappointed you. I only wanted to prove my willingness to help. Is there any way I can make it up to you? I will even sit with the small sphere and not eat or move or sleep and ask her again and again what Jael is saying. I will torture her until she gives up Jael's words. I will be on this all day, all night. So, you would give up accompanying me to the Earth colonies after bothering me about this for days. To sit and torture an impossible little sphere to make up for your unending blunders? Elian said slowly with a strained smile. Perhaps I should have asked you to issue your own punishment since you were a little girl. I was only going to ban you from the mission, but to have you dedicated to breaking Zena in addition? Yes, that sounds like the best way to pay for your stupidity while I'm gone. Then, turning to Toma, Elian instructed, Give her the ring. Let her do that. It's time for us to greet the Earth as its savior. This mission must be a success. They then left Zigil in the room, ring in hand. The young priestess knew that she had a decision to make. As she strolled to the tunnel where Zena was kept, Zigil considered her options. She could stick around for a while and protect Zena from further torture, only running away with her when her feigned efforts to extract Giles' voice became known. The other option was to take the leap now, be as brave as Milo, and do what Jael had instructed by freeing Zena immediately. Now, her arrival at the palace with the sphere tucked under her robe was evidence that the latter was the leap Sigil had taken. When Milo rushed in the room they'd placed Sigil in with the group following close behind, Sigil extracted Zena to hand her over. Milo instead gave her an unexpected hug. Sigil, this was the decision I had hoped you'd make in the tunnels, the one I thought you were too afraid to make. Yet here you are, not only facing that fair, but also rescuing a sphere. I am shocked, but so impressed. Zigil didn't know how to respond to the outpouring of genuine recognition. She looked shyly on the ground and said, This is Anna. I destroyed the ring that was controlling her. She's free now. Because, well, Jael asked me to free her. Milo's mouth widened alongside everyone else's. You can hear Jael? Oh, Zigil, isn't it incredible? Zigil nodded as small tears breached her eyes. As Vlad approached to take the sphere from Zigil's outstretched hand, Zena spoke in sweet, calm whispers. I wish to be with the one who rescued me. Zigil stared in shock at the sphere's request to stay by her side. Milo gave her a little squeeze on her shoulder, feeling unusually proud of the priestess. Zigil's progress had been unexpected, but Jael's voice did have a way of inducing that. Zena continued speaking. However, I must tell you all that your journey to the earth will not be as you expect. Still, you must leave now, and you must remember that tomorrow still exists even after all is lost, for all will be lost before it can be found again. 
What? What do you mean? Pain radiated in Zora's voice as her fears rose. My grandmother, Sigil looked down to the ground again as she spoke. She has a secret weapon. She's unleashed it on the earth. The War of Wars. Jada gasped as Legis held her. It's begun. Zora didn't need to hear anything further. She turned to everyone and barked. Let's get moving. Now. Silence punctuated the air as the portal closed behind the group from the palace. They'd programmed a new arrival spot at a rarely used border outpost of the Earth capital. After hearing of Elian's plans, Zora advised that this post would give them the advantage of surveillance without placing them in the center of a possible war. They'd expected to hear the bustling or even the panic of a city at night. Instead, the air radiated with waves of fear. The people were in hiding. Something dark was approaching. It rode on the east winds, carrying with it the smell of blood and fury. Zora led them to the surveillance room and adjusted the telescopic lens of the large look view that even evoked an impressed whistle from Vlad. She cast it over the border points within range to get visible proof of what they sensed was approaching. Scanning an area to the left of the outpost, Zora gasped and jumped back. Then she pressed her face into the viewer to confirm the impossible. What is it? Legis and Vlad asked simultaneously. Hi, I don't know. Zora sounded shaken for the first time in her life. Her usual confident demeanor shuddered at the sight of their new enemy. They seem to be some kind of creatures, maybe the ones you spoke of, Vlad, from the other side of the planet, but a human seems to be leading them. Elian, Vlad spat. No, I don't recognize her at all, Zora responded. A pulse of fear punched through Vlad's stomach. Wait, let me see. He approached the viewer with shaking hands as he adjusted the height to his head. Then, he allowed himself to witness his greatest fear unfolding. Tamina.